Gateway, good day to you. Kyle here. Uh, as we come to the scriptures today, if, if you are able, from wherever you are, whether that be your, your living room or your kitchen table, would you stand in the honor of God's word as we read? Uh, go with me to John chapter 15. If you're going analog, you can flip your way on over there. Otherwise, it will be on the screen here. This is John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him or her, he or she it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. And you can go ahead and have a seat now. And this Sunday, unlike most Sundays, is a little different. Since the beginning of 2020, and yes, I'm talking about 2020 before it took on its own identity as the eternal year, uh, we began this series in the Gospel According to Mark. And we had this simple ambition to see and know Jesus and in turn see and know ourselves with greater clarity. And today our overall purpose, our overall aim is the same. It's to be caught up and formed by the knowledge and presence of God And fortunately, God is conspiring with all of creation to call us to himself and to shape and form us into people of love. And so regardless of where we would be or what we would be doing, God is at work with that explicit agenda. But instead of forging ahead in Mark to encounter God in that space, we're going to pause today. Pause to consider the overarching movement of our community, or just to say that in a less fancy way, to remind ourselves of who we are, to even re-envision who we are, and to remind you of what that is, of who you are, if you call Gateway Home. It is this, that it's our heart to pursue the presence of God, to prayerfully contend for his kingdom to come here in Des Moines as it is in heaven, and to join him in the renewal of all things. And those three little things are going to inform our time, this pursuing of presence, prayerfully contending, joining him in renewal. And formally, this is Vision Sunday, uh, but to be clear, I don't want any of us to leave today with uh, merely human wisdom in our minds and hearts. Rather, my heart is that our hearts, our collective hearts and minds and imaginations would be shaped by the living God. And so to that end, let us just pray. Let us seek God's wisdom. And so if you would pause with me and let us bow our hearts in prayer before Father. Father God, we thank you that you are present to us, that you are present with us, and that where your church is gathered, there you are with them. So God, we glory in you that you are good and you are faithful and that you will and are seeing us through this present season despite the trauma that it is unleashing in our hearts and in our world. So we pray that you, Spirit, would come today, that you would stand in my body, that you would speak 
speak, with my mouth, that you would think, with my mind, and that you would give us the gift of your presence, that you would give us the gift of your wisdom, and that ultimately, Lord, we would be formed to be more like you so that we can be the gift to the world that you have been to us, that is life here now and in the age to come. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Bless this time. Today, like I just made mention a moment ago, we are going to work through the implications of what our heart is as a church. But before we do that, I want to invite you into a mental exercise. And if it's helpful for you, as it often is for me, to eliminate distractions, you can close your eyes as we do this mental exercise. If that itself is a distraction, then just keep your eyes open. And imagine with me yourself at 70, 80, 90 years of age. More specifically, imagine the type of person that you want to become in your glory years. Yes, those are our glory years. How would people remember you after you're gone? As one pastor quips, this is more about your eulogy than your resume. And as that person comes to your mind, I, I, I bet you're not cantankerous or crotchety or mad all the time. I'm guessing that you see yourself more at peace. You're at peace in your own skin. You're not plagued by your aging body. It's not annoying to you. You're full of joy, present to those who are with you. Now, with that in mind, with the, the person that you desire to be in your glory years, go with me one step further. From this place, imagine now children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all around you, at your feet, and as small humans so often do, they're asking you the best of questions. So, Grandma, Grandpa, you were there in 2020. What was it like? Tell me about it. How did you live? You can open your eyes now if they're still closed. Um, this little exercise, at least it was for me, is this reminder of something that we already know to be true, namely that how we live now directly impacts and informs who we become then, later on in life, in the glory years. And to be abundantly clear today, and as Brene Brown would say, to be kind, uh, the, the person, the type of person rather that you imagine, the one who's at peace with God and others, is the person that I want you to become. It's the person that we collectively as our church leadership want you to become. We do not simply wake up one morning like Jesus. It's not like we trust and give our allegiance to Jesus and then boom, we are immediately a saint or something like that. It's not like we wake up one morning and we are resilient under pressure and prayerful in all things and filled with love and joy and peace. No, no, no. This comes over a lifetime of apprenticeship, of discipleship to the way of Jesus. In other words, I have an agenda for your life. So if you've come to this community and at times you felt tension, like, wow, that seems like they're really pressing on something, it's because we are. I have an agenda for your life. This community has an agenda for your life. And Paul, the, the apostle, the great missionary apostle, he frames it and says it this way in a letter to the Corinthians. He says, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. 
So he's talking about his leadership and the life of the church and those who are his companions in ministry, that they don't lord it over, but they work with for the joy of those that they're working with. Because life together in the church, as strange as it is in 2020, is a collective movement toward God where we, that is the church gathered, is stronger, is the greater entity than me. That I'm actually a part of this greater movement toward God, toward one another, and then by God's grace toward our city. And I say all this not to coerce or to control or to like brainwash you or anything. In fact, I think this goes the opposite direction of that of being clear. See, this is all invitation because the end goal, that is the telos of all of this life, is to be like Jesus. And not to say that if you're a woman to become a man or for any of us to become first century Jewish people, that is to become like Jesus through your gender, through your personality, through your stage of life. That we would become like Jesus through all of that. But the question of the hour, and because that all sounds nice, right? Like, I think you would sign up for that. Like, yes, be like Jesus, resilient, under stress, and faithful and loving. I am all for that. Sign me up. But the question of the hour is how? How do we, in our mind and through that, our bodies abide in Jesus? Well, at Gateway, we would say, pursue the presence of God, prayerfully contend for the kingdom, uh, join God in the renewal of all things, we'd have those three little markers, but that needs to be unpacked. And to know where we are and then where we're going necessitates that we understand where we've been. And so let's just take a little trip down memory lane with me because it's Vision Sunday, so to know where we are and where we're going, we got to look behind us a little bit sometimes. About two years ago, this community, Gateway, a community that my family had no idea even existed at the time, went through a series of challenging events, some of which were the climactic end to a whole season of struggle and others which were simply unexpected and tragic. I mean, you have the releasing of the founding pastor of Gateway, and then you have the tragic and untimely death of one of our loved members of our community. Suffice it to say, 2018, And even 2019 were years filled with unsettling circumstances. And now, that's not all. For sure, there were bright spots. There's new humans coming into the world, little babes. And uh, Tom Clegg faithfully shepherded Gateway's board and the church writ large through this transitional season. These are beautiful things that have taken place in that time. And on the tail end of all of that, at the end of 2019, actually a year today from, wait, how do we say this? A whole year we've been here. This is like the year anniversary, I guess, of us being at Gateway officially. On the tail end of that, in late 2019, I was hired into what felt like a collective, uh, like a sigh of relief and an eagerness to be present to God, one another, in our city. And let me just be abundantly clear. That was such a gift and is still such a gift to be with a people who are eager to express God's love to one another and to the place that we all call home, Des Moines. And as such, there was so much room for us to learn about one another. I'm a bit of a quirky person and our church, we are a bit of a quirky church. And so we've had this time to learn about one another, to dream about what life could look like together. What does it mean to pursue God and pray and join in renewal? What does this mean? 
and we actually started to get some traction here. Then March came along and opened up a can on the world. I mean, I don't think that I have to explain these past seven months and what they've been like, but for nostalgia's sake, uh, I will. And if you didn't know, either because you weren't with us at the time or this has been such a traumatic season, you've forgotten, um, or maybe that's just the shelf life of your memory, but we gathered regularly at Central Campus. It was just down the street on Grand, 1800 Grand Central Campus. That's where we gathered as a community for years. And as, as the first hint of a global pandemic was rolling out, Des Moines Public Schools shifted. And regardless of what you think about that shift and its present challenges, uh, it meant that we were homeless. <laughs> Immediately, we had to reimagine what does it mean to be a church whose literal meaning, ekklesia, is, is this word assembly in the Greek. That's the gathering of people. That's the church. So we had to figure out what does it mean if a church, which is literally the gathering of people, cannot gather in the school or in the city that we call home. We had to reimagine what does it mean then to pursue the presence of God separate from one another in a digital landscape. And now this, this what we're doing right here, this is not the ideal. This is not the future of the church, at least in my opinion, uh, and I could be totally wrong, <laughs> This is a temporary solution for us to remain connected to one another, for us to exalt the name of Jesus together, and for us to be reminded that God is conspiring with all of creation, including technology, to stir our affections, to form us into people who look more like Jesus. But that was just the start. If you fast forward a couple of months, we arrive at the murder of George Floyd, whose last words, I can't breathe, words uttered by countless other people before him, but words that sprang out that were like megaphoned into our world. They captured the suffocating reality of women and men whose physical appearance leaves them disproportionately at risk in our world today and in our land, the supposed land of the free. And just as we had to reimagine what it meant to pursue God's presence in a moment such as this, we then had to reimagine, or rather be reminded, that joining God in the renewal of all things, it truly means all things. Which means the church cannot be a spectator in a moment such as this. The church cannot withdraw her voice. And the church cannot stop her ears in a moment when cries for injustice linger. They hang in the air. Because there's wisdom in listening. And this isn't just listening for listening's sake. This is listening with the intent of hearing. Hearing the cries of those who've historically been muted and marginalized and forgotten. And to say the obvious, or maybe not so obvious, that's what we do every week. Did you know this? That when we open up the scriptures, we are um, opening up our minds, our hearts, and our imaginations to the cries of the oppressed. So if you've felt like a tinge of discomfort around the language of social justice or anything like that, when you open up the Bible you're hearing the cries of the oppressed. See, these are the cries, yes, the praises, yes, the stories of women and men who were delivered from physical and spiritual slavery into freedom and life with God. We, we listen to these stories so that we might name our need for deliverance in our own lives into freedom and life with God. 
We, we listen so that we then might map our present story and circumstances onto the story of the scriptures to see our need for deliverance, to see our need for life and freedom with God. Really, we listen so that we might be caught up in the story of renewal. And just as like a quick aside, if you will, um, if you're wondering, does this mean that Gateway is now taking up the mantle of social justice? Is that our primary thing now? Is this what this Vision Sunday is about? Or, or, or is this about the social gospel and liberation theology, the theology that says no one is free until everyone is free? Well, yes and no. I hope that makes you nervous in a good way. Let me just remind you that your agency as a follower of Jesus is not contingent upon the local church. It's not contingent upon what the local church does and does not do. Because some of you, some of you have been uniquely burdened, distinctly burdened by specific human suffering, human trafficking, racial injustice, homelessness, hunger, etc. Like the list goes on because our world is broken. And that burden, I, I believe, is an invitation for you from God to act and thereby activate faith in your life. And so no local church, ourselves included, will ever be able to, to like engage responsibly in every issue. Maybe we can touch on a lot and call to action or help to resource, but we will not be able to do it all, even in a church the size of ours. And so if you can receive this pastoral word, hear this with love, because that's where it's coming from. If there's something on your heart, a burden over some human suffering in Des Moines or around the world, and we're not engaging it, perhaps we're just blind to it. So ask us, ask us about it, bring it to our attention. Ask, does this align with, with God's call on, on Gateway? Does this align for God's heart with Gateway? Pray about it. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We, we don't know until you ask, but even if it doesn't, maybe there's some other church in the community that we can connect you with because they're doing that thing. Does that mean then you leave Gateway and go there? I don't think so. Because you have agency, you have freedom to engage with that. And if God's called you to that, if he's burdened your heart with it, we want to say yes, amen. We want to pray with you. We want to be a part of this process with you. Because quite simply, we're not going to be able to do everything that God has called all of us to do individually. And that's okay. That's okay. But know this, we want to join you in this, just as we want you to join us. That's just the aside, and it gets better because if that's not enough to cram into seven months, let me just call attention to the fact that we are now less than a month away from a presidential election. And historically, elections have been challenging. I, I know that families in our churches are like at each other's necks in this season. And the fact that uh, it's a global pandemic and we've been in our other in, in homes and like <laughs> maybe separate, but uh, it's been challenging. Let me just say that. But historically, elections in our country, they seem to sink their talons into our hearts. They do this weird thing where they unite on the surface and then they divide deeply at the core. And perhaps it's because we've placed too much hope in the promises of politicians, promises which they cannot deliver on, and not enough hope in Jesus, but that's a talk for another time. Please don't email me about that one. See, my point here is that there is so much that we cannot control. 2020 has evidenced this time and time and time again. 
It stretched us. It's exceeded and all but broken what we think we can handle. And, and, and that is true. And there is a way when we encounter various trials that we can do so with joy. We can actually do that as followers of Jesus. But that, that would be more of the passive reality, things that are happening to us that are outside of our control. What I want to focus on are, are what we can, how we can enter in. Because how can we, like this is the question, how can we not simply survive 2020, but come through it, formed by the love of Jesus to, to be more like him than we've ever been? I still think we have time to be so formed by the love of Jesus in 2020 that it could be the best year ever. And I'm not just being hyperbolic or trying to like pump you up. I really believe that that's true. So how can we come through all of this with a resolve to pursue God and prayerfully contend for his kingdom to, to activate faith in our life by joining in the renewal of all things? Come what will. Well, for that, we, we turn back to our teaching text, to John 15, and we pick up actually near the end of that. We pick up in, in verse 4 where we read this, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I think this is at the core of what Jesus is getting at here. And I love this imagery from Jesus because it's both earthy and messy, which is just like life, and also because it's so simple. Now, simple doesn't mean simplistic. It, it, it just means it's not super complicated. There is one command, and it is this, abide in me. That word there, perhaps you've heard this uh, before, is minnow. It's this Greek word, which is the language the New Testament was originally written in, and it can be translated remain or abide as in our text or dwell or my favorite, make your home in. So read that way, the command is as follows, make your home in me as I make my home in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it makes its home in the vine, neither can you unless you make your home in me. And right before this little interaction with Jesus' disciples in John 15, uh, Jesus taught that the Spirit, which is God's very personal presence, would come. And, and though Jesus was absent in body, because Jesus is preparing his disciples for his going away, that is his death on the cross, although he would be absent in body because death could not hold him, he would rise on the third day, and then he would ascend to the Father in glory. So though he was absent in body, he would be present through the Spirit. This is why the Apostle Paul has no problem talking to the church or even calling the church the capital C church, the corporate church, and Jesus' followers individually the temple of the Holy Spirit because we you and me are where God resides. Have you thought about that recently? Have you considered the reality that you, if you've given your allegiance to Jesus, you are where his personal presence lives. He's made his home in you. That ought to be the sweetest thing and the scariest thing all at the same time because I know how disheveled my home can get. See, we need to attend to this reality, and this is what Jesus is calling us to in this teaching, is 10 times in two paragraphs in John 15, this word minnow appears, this call to make our home. There is an urgency underneath Jesus' metaphor here to be with him. 
an urgency to pursue the presence of God in the language of our church. And, and so this is not something that we can decide on later, like after 2021 when uh, like a vaccine, whatever you think about vaccines, like, uh, like you can't just, we can't just wait on this until things are back to quote unquote normal. We need to choose now to pursue God. Because how we are now, how we live, how we think, how we act, not only shapes our present reality, it sets a trajectory for who we are becoming. And this is of the utmost significance. I love how Dallas Willard unpacks the significance of this reality. Just listen into this quote. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls, the abiding, the minnow, making our home in God. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God, but these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new, grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward keeping God before us. Soon, our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, and don't miss that, if God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. When we talk about the presence of God, we're talking about something specific. We know that God is everywhere and every wind, that he is omnipresent is the, the fancy theological term. And the beauty of this is that wherever you are, like literally wherever you are right now, God is there with you. The, the tension comes when the question is asked, how can you tell? How can you tell that God is with you right now? See, when we survey the scriptures, old and new, and, and and see the people of God encountering a moment of crisis where, where the culture of their hearts is revealed, they're not content on the theological principle of omnipresence. No, no, no. They want God's presence manifest because that only not only brings consolation to their challenges, it, it helps them to be secure amidst the crisis. They wanted God's manifest presence in their midst because when the people, and we actually see an example of this, when the people of Israel are coming out of crisis, listen to their cry of their heart. This is found in Isaiah 64. We read this in verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. St stop right there. When is the last time you prayed, oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would break out? If you need a place to start praying, let it be this. We need the prayers of Isaiah 64 in our hearts, church, because this moment is calling for it. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles bushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make our name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence when you did awesome things that we did not look for you, came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You see, crisis reveals culture. And in the crucible of crisis, God's people are marked by calling upon his name, calling for him to act. 
And what we see in Isaiah is this fusing together, this pursuit of God. And notice this, that the pursuit of God is not necessarily like a, a drummed up emotionalism. It's not necessarily having the loudest worship music or, or like praying intercessory prayer for 24 hours straight. Those who wait for him, there's a, a persistent endurance in their pursuit. That too is pursuing the presence of God. It's silence, it's solitude, it's, it's carving out a, like a cathedral in time on the Sabbath. Setting things aside, it's, it's that for sure. And so Isaiah puts that forward, this pursuit, but he also puts forward the prayerful contention that God's reign and his rule would break out to be established in the moment of crisis. Let me just be as clear as I can be. Politicians and policies will not deliver us from this moment. If that is your hope, it will fail you. Straight up. Politicians and policies will not deliver us from this moment. In large part, they are part of the chaos. And now, for sure, there are God-honoring and fearing women and men out there who are, like, hopeful and moving toward the hope of Jesus as the one true hope of the world, and they're doing that in the political arena. Praise be to God. We need God's intervening hand to break through and reshape history, and he's chosen to do that through his church because he's made his home in us and he's commanded us to make our home in him. He wants the house of God to be the place that is a praise for all the nations, that is the place where all people come to know justice and peace. And practically, I cannot think of a more counterformational reality than prayer. See, if Jesus has commanded us to make our home in him, then prayer is our conversation with God as we arrive at home. Just imagine living with somebody and never speaking to them. Perhaps you've experienced this with a roommate or a spouse, uh, maybe even your kids, you've had just a riff and you walk into the room and there's silence. Maybe you've experienced this, not in a home, but in a car ride. I, I've definitely experienced it there. It's like the long, awkward, like, should I say something? Should they say something? If I say something, what are they gonna do? This is, this is not how we're meant to do life together. We're not meant to talk past each other or like collide like this. We're meant to come together. Prayer is where we actually converse with God when we come home to him. And for many of us though, our life is more like being home but no one's speaking or at least it's just God speaking and we're silent. So I want you to notice this one word, contending. See, when we pray, we are doing more than asking for stuff from God, like manna from heaven, just do these things, God. It's not, it's not what's going on. We're, we're actually, when we pray, we are going to war with hearts, our hearts, that have been shaped by this like habitual consumerism shaped by the consumptive patterns of our world. It's actually the space where we ask for God's reign, for God's rule to be established in our work, in our worries, in our wants, in the whole scope of our life. It's where we contend for God's kingdom to come here in Des Moines as it is in heaven, which is another way of saying, God, would your space invade our space? Prayer, like God's invasion, heaven invading earth, travels along the pathway of prayer. 
And so, this is the space from which all formative disciplines break out. That's why through the remainder of October, Wednesday nights, 720 to 750, we're seeking God's wisdom for our church in the season. What would it look like for us to be present to God, one another, in our city? What does that mean? Join us, if you will. And it's in times like these where church and digitally gathering and gathering in augmented ways is more important and not less. Because these are the spaces, the the physical spaces and the digital spaces where we partner with God, where where we end up like downloading the the ethic and the will of heaven in prayer. We, We come to these spaces, and I love this, as John Mark Comer says, this is where we actually shift our heart motivations from ego to agape, where the shift, the motivations of our heart that have previously been turned inward, be turned outward by God's grace. We pursue his manifest presence. We prayerfully contend for his kingdom to come so that our hearts might be stirred to join him in the renewal of all things. See, see, John 15 has this interesting little progression. There's this call to make our home, to abide. There's this call to grow. And then there's the call to bear fruit. Bear fruit that's interesting, isn't it? That's, that's something that is really for the good of others. For yourself, of, of, of course, but it's that God wants to have us be the conduit to give life to others. That's why we lastly say we want to join God in the renewal of all things. See, we, we desire now more than ever to be a church, a church rooted in the city, oriented toward the needs of the city. And, and sometimes we don't know those needs. That's why we join and pray to seek God's wisdom because we need to hear from him. <laughs> we can devise our own ways, but it won't be worldly wisdom that makes us or helps us to move forward. We need heavenly wisdom. So whether you live in Des Moines proper or you live in the metro, this is the type of church we want to be. We want to be a church that grows in love and joy and peace, a church that doesn't disdain the, the, the day itself or the current expression or the, or the present movement of the Spirit. No, no, no. We want to keep in step with the Spirit. We want to celebrate where He's working in churches that think differently than us but are exalting the name of Jesus. We want to be a church that is so for the heart of God that we're willing to celebrate it when it's breaking out in other communities. This is where you say amen. See, we want to keep in step with the Spirit. And I think that we're moving toward that. I don't think we're there yet. Because we don't have it all together. We're learning. You know, it wasn't until the pandemic that I actually went out and served with Joppa. Joppa is a ministry here in Des Moines that serves those who are presently without shelter. And in so doing, I saw the city that I had never seen before. So we have offices right downtown, and so I get to see the, the cars coming into the city. And what's interesting is that so many cars pour into the city in the morning and leave in the evening. And what you're left with are people. <laughs> people who are rolling carts through the city. So some, yes, yeah, some people reside there, but some people live on the streets in the city. See, so much of our orientation to Des Moines is about what we can get from it, not what we can give. I want us to be a church that has the posture, regardless of where we live in Des Moines, whether in the metro or in it, like our postures, we want to give to the city. We want to bear fruit for the good of the city. 
We want to be God's conduit to give a life to the city. That's what we mean when we say join him in the renewal of all things. And Joppa is but one way. We want to think and dream of, of other ways and, and our ministry renewal partners. Like you can find those on the gatewaychurch.com. But my point in all of this is that as we think about what is it to be gateway and where we're becoming, how do we become the type of people that are formed into the person of Jesus? That it's through pursuing his manifest presence. That it's like prayerfully contending for his kingdom to come in Des Moines as it is in heaven. And it is to join him in the renewal of all things. This is a lofty ambition, church. But would you want an ambition that you could attain? Would it be a vision if it was something that you could grasp? No, 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 we want to strive toward these things. And fortunately, our God is the God who has endless amounts to give. We want his manifest presence, he has more. We want his kingdom to come here. He's saying, yes, I want it to break out through you as you join me in renewal. I'm so eager for what is left to come in 2020 and what God is gonna do through us in this forthcoming year. And so would you, would you join what God is doing here? And would you invite us to join what God's doing in your life? So let us be together, the church who is in the city, rooted here and for this city. So indeed, God's kingdom might come here in Des Moines as it is in heaven. Let us pray. God, we glory in you. We give you all honor and praise. As we turn our hearts and our affections to sing and exalt your name, Jesus, would you continue to meet us? Would you stir our affections? Would you convict us? And where there's condemnation, would you bring clarity and help us to take steps of repentance towards you so that we might know that we too are the ones who you desire to renew and restore. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.